When you get to December 26th and you look back on the last couple of weeks, how will you determine whether the time leading up to Christmas was a success? Barbara Rainey says you got to have your priorities right. Moms can look at all the things on their list. They can look at the cookies and the Christmas cards and the gifts and all of that stuff and decide what is really most important. But if at the top of your list you say, teaching my kids about Christ in the month of December, some of those other things on your list might have to go. And if you don't get the cookies done, no one's going to remember. But your kids might remember some of what they heard about Jesus, and that's worth more than, than any of the traditions you're trying to keep. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. We want to do what we can do today to help out so that when you do get to December 26th, you can look back and say, that was a good Christmas season. Stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Tuesday edition. So is, is it true that you moved years ago out to the end of the street so you wouldn't have to put up lights on your house at Christmas. <laughs> That's what I was told. You said, I want to be where I don't have we, to go through that every we year. We moved into the country just over the hill. <laughs> so no one no one drives by our house. Because okay? I got to tell you, putting up lights is one of those things that after you've done it, you're glad you have them up. But just the thought of having to do it every year. Well, anticipation is no fun on that one. That's you know, right. A lot of people here in Arkansas just leave them up year-round. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> We uh, we do have your wife, Barbara, joining us again on Family Life Today. Barbara, welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks, Barbara. You don't, you don't like those Arkansas jokes? <laughs> no, I do not. I'm on a personal quest to elevate yeah, and, and the I don't beauty either. of our state. You know, there's a lot of people who have uh, understandably pride about where they're from, and frankly, we have some pride about where we're from. It's a, it's a great state, great group of people. And like any other state in the union, it has its pluses and minuses. We are we're glad you're joining us this week because we want to talk about how overwhelming Christmas can be, the holiday season can be, particularly for moms, particularly mm-hmm. when you have kids of all ages with all kinds of priorities of their own. This is a season of the year where not only are the activities highlighted, but you've got an objective around trying to get ready for the big day that includes buying presents, mm-hmm. decorating the home. Decorating the home is something <laughs> – I've been in your home at oh Christmas. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, here's what happens. <laughs> About the 1st of November, she goes, I think I want you to go to uh, the attic and pull down that all the boxes. Not true. Now, this takes a semi. <laughs> this takes a small, load-bearing piece of equipment called a husband to go get the boxes. Uh-huh. And I, I'm thinking as I bring them down, you bring them down, then you take them back up empty, or you store them somewhere else in the house, and then you have to completely it's clean gonna, the house, too, to, uh-huh. after Christmas is over. Yeah. It's a piece of work at our place. It, the transformation of your home into Christmas mode, is it a full-day job to get mm-hmm. the decorating done? Well, yes. If I started in the morning and went all day, it probably would, but I don't stay that focused. So it's over, it's pieces of several days. So for pieces of several days, <laughs> you are going to be consumed for part of that with decorating the house. Were you doing this when the kids were little? Yes. How mm-hmm. did you do it? I let other things go. 
because it was more important to me than other things. What was important? Why were you decorating the house? I think the reason, and I did this when I was a kid too. My mother, bless her heart, was very, very generous with allowing me to express my creativity and my artistic vision for what our house should look like. And she let me decorate our house when I was a kid. And I I set up a card table in my bedroom and I was the gift wrapping queen of the whole house. I wrapped my own gifts. I wrapped gifts for everybody else because I wanted it to be magical. I wanted it to be beautiful. I just had this vision of what it should be like. Now and so you're decorating I've everybody's house. That's what you're doing. This whole, all of these products Bob you're creating. Bob was wondering why he was angry at you. All of, these, all of these resources you've been working on in the Everthine home, you just want to decorate everybody's house in the world now, don't you? No, I really don't want to decorate anybody else's house. I want everybody's Christmas trees, people who are putting up Christmas trees, and I realize not everybody puts up a Christmas tree, but for those who do, I think our Christmas trees should be about Christ. That's really what I want. I don't want to decorate everybody's house. Over the last uh, three years, you have created ornaments to put on Christmas trees. We call them adornaments. Mm -hmm. And the first year, you put out a set of seven ornaments that were all about the Christmas names of Christ, Mm -hmm from Luke chapter 2 and from Isaiah chapter 9. And then last year, the royal names, and those were in the shapes of crowns. Correct. And you've got a third set of ornaments, seven ornaments this year, and these are the Savior names. Where, Where did you come up with the list of seven Savior names? You know, choosing seven is tough because there are some that can kind of go both ways. But I just started, as I've been reading through the Bible, I've just been right, every time I see a name of Christ, um, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New, I just got this running list. I've been throwing them on there and then I'll look at it and kind of go, okay, which ones are, anyway, I've just kind of created these categories. Which ones are grouped together? Is that what you're doing? Yes, I'm just grouping the names that I'm finding um, together by topics. So, for instance, last year, his royal names, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Lion of Judah, uh, Son of David, those are about his rulership. Those are about his royalty, his dominion that he has and will have. And so all of those made sense to go together as a group. So this year, the names include Anointed One, and Jesus was anointed and set apart from before time began to be our Savior, to die for us. Another name uh, that is a Savior name is Chief Cornerstone, and that's a name that talks about his place as the foundation of the Christian faith and the foundation of our, our lives as believers. Another Savior name is Great High Priest. I love Great High Priest because mm-hmm. if you know anything about Jewish history, you know anything about the nation of Israel, for centuries there was a Great High Priest who went into the temple and made sacrifices year after year after year after year after year, and it was never enough. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus came, mm-hmm. he came as our Great High Priest, right. and he sacrificed his life for us once for all. One of my favorite phrases in scripture is once for all. I absolutely love it. Another name is Lamb of God. And this is a phrase that also many of us recognize and we really understand about Jesus. John the Baptist said that of Jesus when he saw him. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John recognized that Jesus was not only the great high priest, but that he in his body was the actual sacrifice the sacrificial lamb on our behalf. So Lamb of God is another Savior name. Another one is Mediator, and that's probably a name that's not as commonly recognized by believers 
and maybe I'm assuming something that's not true, but um, it wasn't one that was especially familiar to me. But mediator, we understand the concept of mediator. When kids get in a fight on the playground, usually a teacher or an aid worker has to help resolve the problem. Adults get into arguments and they have to have a judge or a lawyer. I mean, we're all cognizant of the term mediator what it means well that's what jesus did for us he mediated he came to be the go-between between us and his father so mediator is another savior name and then there's messiah and messiah is is the jewish name for savior we call jesus the savior the Jewish term is Messiah. And yet it's such a beautiful name. I love thinking about Jesus as my Messiah, not just as my Savior, but as my Messiah, because he died for his people, but also for us as Gentiles. So Messiah is one. And then the last one of the seven is Redeemer. And Redeemer is a word that's used throughout Scripture to talk about purchasing us back. It's really a a strong word in the book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, um, and how the Redeemer was a key part of that story. And so Jesus came to be our Redeemer, to buy us back, to purchase us back from our broken, fallen state that we can't get out of on our own. He came to fix it so that we could then be brought back to the Father. And Bob, the thing I, I love about these names is they're all on a wooden plaque on unique crosses from history. For instance, Redeemer is uh, on a Celtic cross from Ireland, and it has a circle that encompasses the cross, which has significance to the country Ireland and uh, some of their uh, spiritual ancestry there. Messiah is on a cross that's my favorite out of all of them. It's an anchor cross. And I I have to read, you know, all of these uh, adornments come with a book that give you the devotional to read each day. It takes three or four minutes to read the whole thing. But the anchor cross says this, the anchor cross has symbolized hope since the early days of the church. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20 tells us, we have this a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place where Jesus has gone on our behalf as an anchor holds a ship in place. So the anchor of Christ's work as Messiah holds us steady in the winds of life. This hope does not disappoint. And I just think how cool it is that throughout history, there was a cross in the shape of an anchor. A mediator is the St. Thomas cross, cool cross that has a dove coming in from the top. The Lamb of God is the Jerusalem cross. And as you were sharing about that a moment ago, Barbara, I thought it's significant that the Lamb of God came to Jerusalem Mm -hmm. because that's where they sacrificed the lambs Mm -hmm. in the Holy of Holies Mm -hmm. on behalf of the sin of the people on an annual basis. The last three are uh, the great high priest is the Ethiopian cross. The chief cornerstone is the Coptic cross. And the anointed one is the trefoil cross. And if people want to see these different cross designs and the adornments, they can go to everthinehome.com and they're on display there. And of course, you can order from the website if you want. Each of these ornaments is about 
what, about four or five inches? Is that uh, right? They're roughly four inches by six inches. Okay. Roughly. Some of them are smaller, but the biggest one is six inches tall. And, and I'm just curious because I've, I've been to your home, and on the front table at Christmas, mm-hmm. there's usually a little stand that's got a, a 45 uh, record there, right? You know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm impressed that you remember these it's, details. It's red vinyl, <laughs> uh-huh. and I, I can't remember if it's rocking around the Christmas tree or Actually, something like that. Actually, it's probably the first Noel. Okay. But you have decorating your home, snowmen and snowflakes and those kinds of Not things. Not so much anymore. Actually, I used to. That's Yeah, it's, I've seen it change over the years. It has changed over the years. Yeah, I, I used to have snowmen and I used to have some Santas around and I used to have some of those things. And I think it's because I couldn't find anything else. And so I just kind of went along with what was available and I had a little snowman collection that I put up and I had some of those things. And really and truly, there's absolutely nothing wrong with all Mm -hmm. of that. So I don't want anybody to feel guilty if you've got Santas and snowmen because there's nothing wrong with it. But I really wanted more and I just couldn't find anything else. So I still put that little red vinyl record up because (laughs) it is a record from my childhood and we used to play those things, my brothers and I, over and over again. But the side that says the first Noel, I prop up and I put that one up because it it is about Christ. So I'm changing in these years of of my life to making our home more focused on Christ at Christmas and less on the traditional things that populate all of the stores and all of the malls and all of the airwaves even for that matter. So we have some ornament at our house. I don't remember how old this one is, but it's Snoopy on top of a Christmas present mm-hmm. hanging on the tree. Mm-hmm. We've had it for years. Yep. It's kind of one of those heirloom type ornaments at this point. Mm-hmm. Are you still putting stuff like that on your Christmas tree? I'm not because most of the ornaments that were like that that we had were my kids. You and so them. each of my kids, as when they left home and had their own homes, I boxed up their ornaments and gave them their ornaments. And so for just Dennis and me, I don't put them on the tree. I still have them and I'll probably give the ones that are left to my children. But I, there are so many people who put up multiple Christmas trees that it's really easy to have a tree with all your sentimental ornaments, the ones that you've inherited, the ones like the Snoopy or the whatever, and then to have a tree that focuses on Christ. I have a really good friend here at the ministry, and when his wife saw the new set of ornaments and and the star that we've created this year to go on the top that says, I'm the bright morning star, which I absolutely love, and the garland that says the same thing, and she saw all of that, and she said, I want a tree about Jesus this year. I want all this stuff on my tree. And they're still going to put their kids' ornaments on a tree in another room. So they're doing two trees. Mm -hmm. So you've just added difficulty to the whole (laughs) thing. (laughs) Now we got to have two trees. Okay, okay, okay. Well, there are a lot of people who do multiple trees already anyway, so I'm not adding... To, for a lot of people, that's that's normative. But I want to tell you, Marianne was really excited about the tree topper, about oh, the, the she, star. That's yeah. encouraging. But, I mean, we've we've had an angel at the top of our tree mm-hmm. before, and nothing wrong again with an right, angel sure. at the top of the tree. But the star is just the perfect topper. She was really excited and uh, and loved that you had added that to the collection. Well, thanks. And I have loved it too, because I've just, for a long time, I've, I have loved that verse in Revelation where he says, I am the bright morning star. And I just thought a star lit the way to the manger for the wise men. The star is, and he is the star. And it's like, that needs to be what's at the top of the tree. And I wanted one at the top of my tree and I couldn't find one. So we made one. What about, are your kids... 
are, are they turning their homes into uh, the same kind of a uh, a Jesus-centered approach to Christmas, or are they commingling? What are they They're doing? They're commingling. They're not doing it as exclusively as I am. But when I've been to their homes, they have their ornaments that their kids are collecting or that their kids made at school, you know, the little paper plates with their school picture in the middle. They've got all of that stuff on their tree. And they have the Christmas names and the royal names, and they will have the crosses on their well, tree. Well, they better if they want any presents from mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> they know where their bread is buttered. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, Barbara has made it easy for families to be able to include these in your traditions. You've got some pointers at the beginning of the, the little devotional about what to do with elementary age children to um, pull the name out, talk about the name with the children, maybe consider memorizing a, a passage of Scripture that's in the devotional book? And here's another reason why I think it's so important to do this. It's not just to make Jesus the center of your Christmas celebration, although that is reason enough. But every Christmas, I remember when our kids were growing up, not only did we have extra stress because of the parties and all of the stuff that we add to our lives in the month of December, but we also had more issues with selfishness because Christmas and the Santa Claus and all of that stuff feeds our innate selfishness. And so not only do we have these pressures and these stresses, but we've also got a whole lot more selfishness going on. At least it seemed that way in our house. And so to be able to talk to our children about why we need Jesus as our Savior at Christmas because we're being selfish and we're thinking about ourselves and we're thinking about what we want and what we're going to get. We're not thinking about giving. We're not thinking about Jesus. It's a prime teaching opportunity for moms and dads. Were there other things you did when your kids were growing up to try to give them an other-centeredness at Christmas time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I remember from my own childhood vividly is that my brothers and I would get the Sears Roebuck catalog that came in the mail, which was about three or four inches thick. I remember, yeah. And we would spend hours poring over it and marking pages, and I want this, and I want this, and I'm sure it kept us occupied, and my mother didn't mind that for a while, but what it did is it fed this selfishness that Christmas is all about me, and it was all about what I was going to get. I couldn't wait to get my presents. It just fed a side of me that I didn't like when I got to be an adult. I'm going, this is not right. I, I realized after I'd become a Christian that this focus on myself and what I wanted was not what God wanted for me. So when our children were little, Dennis and I decided that we wanted to try to kind of shift that a little bit. And so we taught our children to, I didn't let them look through the big catalogs for one, because I knew that would just feed their selfishness. But we also made it a focus to teach our kids to think about gifts they could give to their siblings and or their grandparents and or us, but specifically for their siblings, because that's the hardest relationship anyway. So we taught them to think about what they could give for their brothers and sisters rather than what they were going to get. And of course, Dennis and I had to help them buy for each other or make something for each other which can be fraught with problems too. But nonetheless, that was a goal for us. So then on Christmas morning, instead of everybody rushing into the living room and pulling everything out of the under the tree and a free-for-all. That has their name on it and kind of pull it over in a corner. And yeah, and you in, just in have this stash. present fest, so to speak. You're tearing into it and it's all about what am I going to get. 
we had our kids go and get all of the gifts under the tree that they got for someone else. So Ashley got the pile of the things that she got for her siblings and Benjamin did the same and Samuel did the same. And then we took turns giving gifts. So if Ashley was the first one to give, she would decide who which gift she wanted to give to which one of her siblings. And we all watched so that the focus was on that person and what that person got. And we all celebrated what that person got. And then it was their turn to then give. So if she gave to Samuel, it was Samuel's turn to pick out a gift and decide who he wanted to give to next. Part of the fun of that is that it helped them uh, not think as much about themselves. It really trained them to think about giving. The other fun benefit that we didn't, not neither one thought about on the front end is that it made Christmas last for hours. Mm. So instead of it being over in a flurry and 15 minutes of paper flying through the air and you're done, we sometimes didn't finish until noon. Yeah, and I remember one time it didn't finish for a couple of days. <laughs> I mean, it took forever. I was smiling earlier when you were talking about how Christmas can get us all focused on ourselves. We used to have a, a tradition at our family where we'd put everybody's name in a hat, and you would draw out the name of someone where you were a secret Santa. We called them KKs. It's amazing how many arguments you can get into as a family around that because you have, you have a young child who, who drew your name. <laughs> and and I'm not getting anything. You know, yeah. they're no longer here. Or they're just selfish. They haven't thought of anybody. I just, Christmas is a time that can bring out, in the midst of the exhaustion, it can bring out the worst, the worst in us. And th- there's another reason why I think we need to, again, put the focus back on Jesus Christ and call our kids to uh, have him live his life in them and through them as they celebrate the holidays. I had one of my Facebook friends who used to work here at Family Life who just sent me this picture not long ago. Uh, Let me see if I can pull this up on the phone. You recognize that old shop, (laughs) don't you? (laughs) So I'm wondering if we can... Yeah, so like how many decades ago would that be? Laura looks like she's five. Oh, wow. You can't turn that and get it... It it flops every time you turn it. So that's about 25 years ago. Yikes, that's a long time ago. Can can we put that up on the website? I think you can. That'll be fun. So we've got this picture. It's proof proof that you can get every eye open. That's right, you can. This is back in the day of film. (laughs) This was before Photoshop. We we would take seven or eight rolls of film, Mm -hmm. and it would take that because of our son Samuel. (laughs) His pictures were called the many faces of Samuel Ramey. Yes, his delight was to make faces at the camera. Well, if you want to see the one shot that uh, everybody was smiling on back about 25 years ago, you can go to familylifetoday.com and we have it posted there. And you'll notice how neatly and perfectly we're dressed, too, because that was a priority for me oh, as well, sadly. That looks like that took a lot of time, too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Started about uh, June or... <laughs> <laughs> and if you are interested in seeing what Barbara's been working on, you can go to everthinehome.com, see the uh, new set of ornaments that have been designed for this year, the adornments that are the savior names of Jesus, Messiah, Redeemer, Chief Cornerstone, Great High Priest, Anointed One, Lamb of God, Mediator, all in the shape of crosses. And you can see past years of adornments as well, his Christmas names and his royal names. You can see them and you can order online at everthinehome.com. I know that uh, gift giving is one of the priorities that's on all of our minds during the month of December as we often... Uh, budget for and think about and shop for and wrap gifts that we give to friends or to family members, to loved ones 
during the Christmas season. And I know many of our listeners have included Family Life Today in past years on your gift-giving list. We know that because more than 50% of the funding necessary to operate Family Life throughout the year comes to us during the month of December, as a lot of people make a year-end contribution in support of this ministry. And we're grateful for your financial support. In fact, what you give to Family Life in December really determines what the next year is going to look like for us. How much ministry we'll be able to do in the year ahead is often determined by the giving that happens in December. We've had some friends of the ministry who have come to us recently. They are aware of that dynamic, and they have said, we'd like to encourage Family Life Today listeners to be as generous as possible during December. And so they have agreed that this month they will match every donation that we receive on a dollar-for-dollar basis up to a total of $2 million. And of course, we are uh, very grateful for their generosity, and we want to take full advantage of this matching gift opportunity. That's why we're asking you, would you consider adding Family Life Today to your gift-giving list in December Would you go today to FamilyLifeToday.com and make a year-end contribution in support of this ministry? You can click in the upper right-hand corner of our website where it says, I Care, and make an online donation. Or you can call 1-800-FL-TODAY, make a donation over the phone. Or you can mail a donation to Family Life Today at Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas. And again, our zip code is 722 Two, three. Thanks in advance for whatever you're able to do. And keep in mind, your donation is being doubled this month. Please pray that we'll be able to take full advantage of that matching gift opportunity. And I hope you can join us back tomorrow. We're going to continue to think about the names of Christ at Christmas. And we'll have some friends who'll be here with us to help us think through all of the exalted titles that belong to Jesus. Hope you can tune in for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.